There you go, just for the just for just for a bit of a different vibe there, he says knowingly. Anyway, that is a rush and a push, and the land is ours. The Smiths, and that's their 1987 and last album, Strange Ways. Here we come. This is David Eastall, and this is the C86 show. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to another award-worthy 60 minutes of top top tunes. Yes, it is the C86 show and I'm David Eastor, as I just mentioned earlier. As always, bring you the finest, I often say in indie pop, but this is a little bit different because this week my special guest will be Napalm Death. I caught up with Barney Greenway from the band. So expect four parts of that interview scattered throughout the show as well as the usual top tunes and obviously quite a few more tracks the normal by Napalm Death. So, as I often say, sit back, relax, turn up your stereo, stereos because this week's show is a particular special and uh, because we're feeling particularly biased towards Napalm Death. I thought we should start with one of their absolute classics. This is The Wolf I Feed. Take it away, Barney.
rock and roll. There you go. That is um, all the way. I suppose it's from the West Coast. There, there's the Dead Kennedys and a track called "Where Do You Draw the Line" from their album "Bedtime for Democracy." And before that, we had the unmistakable sound of the one and only Napalm Death and the track called "The Wolf I Feed," and that was from their 2002, no, 2012 album "Utilitarian." Yes, this is David Eastall, and this is the C86 show. I know I've gone a little bit off-road today because, um, yes, I caught up with Barney from Napalm Death to find out lots more about uh, what it's like to be in one of the most legendary bands in the world. So I'll be bringing you that interview um, throughout the show as well as the usual top quality music which isn't going to be quite so jingly jangly as I normally am but I do sometimes uh, like to veer off and have noise and destruction and all that sort of groovy stuff. So I've got uh, two more tracks to play now but um, after those I will tell you how to get in touch with me at this very fine show. So um, yes, what, what have we got? Yeah, all the way from Ipswich. This is the studio Stupids and the track called Jesus Meets the Stupids. Get Malcolm and write a song. Okay, sounds groovy. How about this?
Indeed it is. Yes, that's the one and only. We've got a first box and we're going to use it. Love is the slug from their album, Boston, Steve Austin. And um, that was all the way from Birmingham. A bit of a connection with uh, Napalm Death because, um, well, they're also from Birmingham. And also they, I think, in a very early gig in about 1985, um, were on a double bill together. All certainly played at the same event. So I thought, yes, nice little connection and nice bit of noise. And before that, we all the way from Ipswich, we had The Stupids and a track called Jesus meets the stupids and uh, yes one of John Peel's favourite bands from the 80s and um, often doing various sessions for him I do believe anyway this is David Eastall the C86 show if you would like to contact me we always love your messages you can via Twitter or Facebook go to at C86 show and I'll be there and it's always nice to hear from you so thank you for all those people who have been in touch but like I said uh, this week I caught up with Barney from Napalm Death so I'll be bringing that interview very soon because it comes in four different um, little parts anyway and um, you know just to sort of make it sort of the suspense even more so what I'm going to do is play another track by Napalm Death called Scum and then play the first part of the interview I know it's all about the anticipation but anyway take it away Goodness me, steady on chaps. And that is uh, that was an album that came from an album called 
scum, actually. But that was from 1987, which in my book is probably one of the finest years of music ever, because if you look at the releases of that particular fine year, um, you'll sort of think, well... They did churn out a lot of good music. Anyway, that was Napalm Death. And um, we do love a bit of Napalm Death on this programme. And that was the only time I uh, managed to meet John Peel, who was a bit of a hero of mine. I went to a Napalm... Well, it was, a, it was not even a double bill or triple. It was a quadruple bill down in Ipswich. I think it was um, about 1989, where Napalm Death, the Electro Hippies, Extreme Noise Terror and also Carcass were all playing at the Caribbean Centre in Ipswich. And um, there was John Peel, and I tried to talk to him. But obviously, the noise... Noise. It was a bit noisy, so um, I went up to him. He looked a bit confused. I felt a bit embarrassed, and that was the end of my uh, moment with John Pill. But anyway, we had a moment, and that was all that matters. Right, my next, or the next bit of this um, award-worthy show. This is where I caught up with Barney from Napalm Death and um, found out a bit more about how he joined the band, because obviously he wasn't there right at the very beginning. So this is the first part of my interview. Well, I mean, you know, I've got to be honest with you, you know, sort of in, in, in tandem with what you just said, I when I joined the band, I um, I just thought to myself, realistically, it would be a good, say, two or three years, it'll be something to tell people in a few years' time, and, you know, it'll be great, because, um, you know, I was I was already, um, being from Birmingham, you know, I was working in the car industry as a... Uh, on the engineering side of things, and I, I sort of threw away my apprenticeship really to, 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 to take a real risk actually, yes. um, and it was it was tricky, you know, because in terms of, like looking after myself, well, you know, for for a very long time it was we were really on the breadline, you know, it was it was quite difficult, um, but um, you know, you're sort of your your sort of excitement of your about your art kind of carried carried me and carried us us all through you know and um yeah i mean i I gotta be honest um it's a rare band where everybody gets on all of the time you know it's a very rare band and that applies also to no problem i mean we have our tricky period amongst ourselves um it's it's a band it's just a microcosm of life you know you've got several um individuals sometimes disparate sometimes not so disparate but there are always things, you know, could be microscopic things, an accumulation of things, could be bigger things that test the relationship, you know. So you have to learn, you have to learn diplomacy, you know, <laughs> if you haven't got it already. And yes. you have to learn, well, tolerance and, you know, and the sense of equality that you kind of treat your band members as equals, you know. And um, and, and if you if you get to that point in your head, then 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 you're going somewhere. It's yes. still not going to be easy, but, but you know, we kind of managed to do it, you know, through periods of quite severe pressure. Yes. Know? Well, it was also what was quite interesting, you know, sort of looking at the longevity. There was a sort of, with a lot of scenes as well, there's a bit of a fashion, because of like doing quite a lot of the indie bands, people did just, just actually get bored, as, as well as the bands also wanting to sort of kill each other and thinking perhaps we should walk away. There was also, the, the, the public was also also quite fickle and they moved away to sort of grunge or the or the rave scene whereas the the sort of the death metal scene just has kept going kind of in leaps and bounds well here's the thing here's the thing i mean something of what you just said there i would kind of take issue with in the sense that 
those two words, death metal, are used all the time. And yes. honestly, that is such a narrow descriptive of what napalm is, you know. Um, it it's really doesn't tell anything approaching the full story, you know. Yes. And, um, you know, most things wash over me. It's, uh, most things are like water off a duck's back, you know. But it, it does kind of... It does. I wouldn't say annoy me. That's probably a bit too strong. But it's 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 such a narrow and easy like uh, characterization of the band. If you if people drill down into Napalm, they'll see actually that Napalm. That certainly the way we view it, it's it's more of an art form. You know, it isn't it isn't it isn't it isn't really any of the things that are associated sometimes with the metal scene, the cliches and all yes. the rest of it. And whilst metal is an influence, there are many, many other things. You're talking about indie bands. Well, indie bands were also an influence on Napalm, you know, Um, the more ambient side of the band. Um, And and, and, and punk, of course, and and also No Wave, you know, and stuff like that was all those elements can be found in Napalm. So, and then that, that also, of course, is one of the reasons so that kind of broad uh, palette is one of the reasons why the band's still around now. You yes. know, because we're not we're not sort of um, we're not plowing a singular furrow. You know, there are many things that we're trying to do with the band. You know, whether whether we do it well, of course, is entirely subjective. You know, but but um, you know we are. We we basically don't tie ourselves down, you know. We 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 we'll try anything as long as as long as it has a harsh, abrasive or extreme kind of edge to it, and that could be many different things. Then we'll try it, you yes. know. And in terms of playing gigs as well, you know, if somebody like well, let's 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 think of that. If somebody like Spiritualized, for example, came back tomorrow and asked us to do a gig, we'd be like, yeah, great, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That was the first part of my interview with Barney from Napalm Death. And as you just gathered there, if you were paying attention, he mentioned Spiritualized. So I'll play you ladies and gentlemen. There you go. But um, I have another three parts of that interview, so don't go away.
That was rather beautiful. Transcendental, in fact. There you go. That's spiritualized, and that's a track called Ladies and Gentlemen, We're Floating in Space. This is David Esau. This is the C86 Show. And as I said, this is a Napalm Death special. And uh, this is the second part of my interview with Barney as we talk about sonic soundscapes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in, in fact, um, and for example, now we're, we're, we're sort of writing some new material. And I can guarantee that Shane, the bass player, who is quite recognizable as a guy with a big, big sort of lot of hair, you know, he's, he will use chords from, from, from those bands and he will work it into Napalm. And whilst you might not immediately begin to make the connection, you know, hearing it when it's in, it's in, it's in a big wall of horrible noise, you know, um, it's there. Yes. You know, it is there, you know, and, and we, we will make no apologies for that. You know, we, we will use anything and twist it in our particular direction. That's, that's what music's about, you know, is, is, is breaking down barriers, um, you know, molding things the way you wish to use them. And, and that, that, that's increasingly as time goes on. One of the things that, that turns me off more than anything is, is when you, when you see a particular scene of bands and you're a thousand bands down the line and the thousand bands sounds more or less exactly like the very first band, right. you know, I mean, what's the point? Yes, <laughs> this is true. Because it's, in, it's interesting you mentioned about influences because I know a bit of a, um, I love those kind of Friday night sort of uh, rock documentaries on BBC4 where they do the classic album series. And actually it's interesting with the ones on Black Sabbath and also Deep Purple and Richie Blackmore is that they often took either folk influences and, and sort of albums that they loved and obviously put it through their guitar or all sort of in the, in, the, in the case of Black Sabbath, some kind of classical bits that they also had sort of really enjoyed at the time. And, and I suppose when I was listening and watching those documentaries, I think, oh, that's interesting. And obviously those classic riffs, especially Deep Purple, with Richie Blackmore, you know, they, they came from sort of like the Middle Eastern folk tradition. Of sure. Of the, well, I mean, they bastardised green sleeves. You know, yeah. I mean, you can, you, they directly did it. You can't, you can't, you can't miss it. You know, it's right there in front of your face. You know, they did green sleeves and the whole thing, and they, they obviously made it electric. You know, so, so it's it's all there. You know, everything comes from somewhere. You know, everything has a reference point, and I think, um, I think. Although we strive to be original and do different things, nothing is ever truly original because everything has a reference point. And any band that tells you or believes that they are truly, truly, truly unique is, 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 not, is not aware of themselves, you know, because yes. it's, it's, it's not the case. Well, it's a bit deluded, isn't it? When you hear Hendrix and you sort of realise, you know, that's sort of from the blues and then Little Richard and... Beyond. Well, exactly. So that, yeah. yeah, so I don't think... <laughs> yes, that would be a very deluded young person, actually. I have heard it before, though. You'd be surprised and I was a, a bit of, a bit of gassed, you know. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the other thing that um, a lot of bands run out of steam is that creative kind of um, inspiration, both lyrically and also musically. So what is it that um, has kept the band so sort of, you know, productive? Well, Napalm was always, um, I mean, it, it, you, you ask a few different people and they give you different answers, but certainly um, ide ideologically, Napalm is, has been classed as a political band, you know, um, and, and a band that could be argued as traces on the, on the sort of definitely leaning towards the left and um and uh, going beyond that even sort of free thinker sort of anarchist uh, origins you know because napalm was was 
one of the bands uh, that featured on the early Bullshit Detector albums, which was the Crass label, you know. Yeah. Uh, Napalm had a song on one of those. So that's that's what it's deeply rooted in. But even at that time, Napalm sounded like a mix between, you could say, Crass and, and Jesus and Mary Chain. You know, Napalm was very aware of, of bringing other things into the band. So to, just as a small side point... Um, but yeah, I do like to get, I mean, the world is as it is, you know, it seems particularly bad right now in, in terms of some, some of the things that are going on. But to be honest, it's always been that way. It's yes. never, <laughs> it's never been, it's never been, um, bereft of inhumanity, you know, um, but people are always willing to do like really horrendous things to other people just for a whiff of power, you know, and Napalm focuses on that. So there is always stuff for us to cover, you know. And in terms of the way the band is run as well, we operate it very much on the on the on the sort of uh, along the lines of there are certain things that we just will not do, you know. There are certain companies that we just would not get involved with. Um, people always talk about the music industry and stuff, but Napalm was always quite separate, you know. I mean, yeah. sure enough, we sell CDs, you know, we go on the road, we sell T-shirts, etc., etc. But that we were never, we were never at the behest of sort of the, the industry movers and shakers. We never had somebody standing over us telling us what we should and shouldn't do. Which, in the long term, is a very good thing. Anyway, that's the second part of my interview with Napalm Death's um, frontman Barney. So I've just got the third and fourth parts still to go, but I can see that I'm doing very well on time. Anyway, if you just wonder what this is all about, this is David Eastall on The C86 Show. And as I said, if you want to contact me, we always love your messages. You can via Twitter or Facebook. Just go to at C86 Show and all will be revealed. Anyway, this goes out to my good friends David and Rachel, who I know would love a bit of this. This is from the album Smear Campaign, When All Is Said and Done. Napalm Death, take it away. Yeah. 
Oh, indeed, indeed. There you go. Napalm Death, and that's a track called When All Is Said and Done, and that's from their um, 2006 album, Smear Campaign. And I do believe that they're, they're currently sort of working away on their next release. But anyway, enough about that. This is the uh, third part of my interview with Napalm Death's frontman, yes, Barney. And this is where I ask him about that um, interesting and um, sometimes tricky world that is record labels, admin and management. Take it away, Barney. Yeah, I mean, we've, we have a manager, but it's, but it's a manager that we picked because they understood what the ethics, if you want to use that word, and what the ethics of the band are. Yes. You know, they understand not to put us in certain situations, you know, that's A, not going to do the band any good, and B, is going to make us quite unhappy doing it, you know. So, 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 we, so we have that. We're lucky enough to have that. Basically, we have a, we have a, a management agencies out in berlin you know and um the pe those people that run us um were were very involved in the berlin punk scene you know which in itself was very it was a very confrontational movement you know um, back in the 80s um and the 70s and the 80s so it's the right people to be with. Yes. So we're lucky. We kind of landed on our feet with that. Well, Berlin was quite interesting. I remember visiting, visiting Berlin in the 80s before the wall and then just after the wall came down and being kind of curious why Berlin had that vibe. And they said, well, actually, everyone gets drafted into the army unless you live in Berlin. So obviously anybody in Germany who didn't want to go in the army went, yeah. oh, I'm just going to go and live there then. Yeah, and, sure, <laughs> sure, So sure, that, sure. that made it very convenient. And that's like, oh, of course, that's why there's all these free-thinking anarchists because obviously you've all said, well, I'm not going to go and march up and down for a couple of years yeah sure <laughs> sure 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 so yeah i mean um i mean so so yeah so we're, we're in the hands of the well the right people quote unquote you know for us um and uh, and so yeah it works all round. i mean i i gotta be honest in as much as you know obviously the the, the whole diy sort of um handling of bands is something that I, of course i absolutely am fully behind but napalm is still so busy you know that I, I i personally i couldn't handle it you know it'd be too much i i am involved in napalm beyond the scenes i do a certain aspect of 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 the band i look after a certain aspect yes but i couldn't do the full thing you know it just wouldn't it, no. it wouldn't work you know it, it just it'd just be like it'd just be like um going up a mountain and shouting rather loud and being buried under, <laughs> under an avalanche you know it just it's, it would literally be like that. So we, we got the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Because really, you know? that was the other thing that I've noticed talk, talking to a lot of bands is when they were on the indie indie label, that was quite good. Then they got slightly drawn into sort of signing for a major. And that was kind of the end of the band. And part of it was the management and also the label sort of pushed them into sort of different artwork or saying, look, guess what? I've got a great gig. You can go and support. Take and, that. And you know what? People never learn from these things. I know. You know? You know, there have been some, like, really experienced people out there who have made the same mistake, you know, two or three times over. Uh, there's, there's a particular story about us. I mean, we got, in the States in the early 90s, we got sold to a major, to Columbia, you know. And it were against our will because it was part of a licensing contract. This is the thing you, these are the things to be very careful of when you're in a band. Basically, we had a, we had a contract with our former label to where we could be sold as a, on a licensing arrangement, which means that the label still owns the rights, but they can sell you off for different parts of the world yes. at their discretion. So we were sold off to Columbia Records, and I was just, I was absolutely mortified, you know, at the time. Um, 
And, and I have to say that, <clears throat> I will say this, the people that work for Columbia that were assigned to us in the States were fantastic. You know, they truly cared about the band. But, of course, it's never about them. Like, the overlords that were in charge yeah. got bored of us after about 12 months. And, of course, the whole thing collapsed. And it set us back two or three years in the, in the States. You know, we had to we had to sort of build everything up all over again it was just it was a total mistake yeah. you know and and so so i would never make that mistake I, I i mean i wouldn't have signed to a major in the first place had i be given the elementary choice yes. and i certainly wouldn't do it now no. that's for sure you know so so um yeah you know these are the things that can destroy your band you know there are you don't have to sign to a major you know you can go out there and find a good operation if you can be bothered to look yes uh, and you can get something going that will very often be better than what a major could ever give you you know <laughs> yes i hope you're paying attention to this all those young people who are um, out there just about to form bands or are in a band there's a lot of little hiccups but thankfully barney will be telling us a bit more about how you can avoid those in the fourth part of the interview but as you may have uh, may have um, heard if you were paying attention he did mention a bit of jesus and the mary chain so i thought we should play a little bit of psycho candy
Indeed, thank you very much. There you go, that's the uh, Jesus and the Mary Chain, and that was a track called Psycho Candy. That also was the title of their 1985 album. Hello, this is David Eastall, the C86 Show, and uh, this is the final part of my interview with Barney. When I ask him that tricky question of what would he say to his 18-year-old self starting out in music? I would say, well, there's, there's a couple of principal rules, if you like. I would say, first of all, never be afraid, be... Be, be confident in yourself, but never be afraid to listen to advice because advice can always be chewed over. And if you then don't like it after you've chewed it over, you can put it to one side, but at least listen to people, you know, because there's some, some good people out there, you know, with some good good sort of thoughts on stuff and it helps to have different perspectives. The, sec- the second thing is I would say, much as what we spoke about now, um, Make them make your art in the way that you feel is is makes you happy, you know, and what you consider to be the right thing to do, you know. Again, if somebody comes in and give you an opinion, fine, listen to it. But if after you've considered that opinion, you feel that where that could take you would not be a good thing, would not make you happy, don't do it. You yes. know what I mean? And even if it, even if you fall on your sword in the process, at least you can say that you did what you th- thought to be the right thing. And then again, if, if you consider it a mistake, you can learn from it, move on, and do it in a different way the next time, you yes. know. Um, and, you know, and the three, I guess the obvious one is, um, don't if you come into music like playing, do not expect the world, because it ain't going to happen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. People think that people in bands generally... Um, are, are like rolling in it, you know, and like really high rolling. Uh, uh, trust me, you only get to that point if you are really, really at a very noticeable high level. You know, there are many bands, small and medium sized, if you want to, if you want to put it like that, who are, who are not, you know, well endowed, you know, in that sort, of, in that respect, it's that there's a certain, there's a certain reality, I think, to playing music that 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 a lot of people on the outside sometimes really don't understand, you know. Um, well, I think if, I think with the, the, those uh, experiences, like I, I interviewed a guy from Age of Chance who were from Leeds, and I think he was a bit amazed because they got something like £200,000, I think it was each, but then he said that was for a year, but by the time you've paid everybody off, you were already in debt with the record company, which was on Virgin at the time. So yeah. in a way, it's it's when it came to the money, that's that that's probably something that not many, especially young people, can quite comprehend. Especially when you realise you've still got the tax bill to pay at the end of the exactly, year. Exactly. Yeah. And and also the recording studio time is the other thing that people often don't realise how expensive it is. Yeah. Sure. 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 So you have to, um, you know, you have to basically look at the whole thing and and and. I really, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I, I've been a union rep, you know, with the MU, and I also, um, I've, I've been a union member for 20, 20, nearly thirty years now, and um, I, I, I would suggest that people really kind of use those services, you know, join the union and use the services because. Uh, sometimes musicians think to us, oh well, this is another expense that I don't need, but it will give more to you in terms of the breadth of, of, of services and in terms of outcomes, it will protect you more. It will, it will help towards you not getting caught in a trap 
than 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 many other things that you could invest in. You know, in terms of music. I mean, I would always like advise that people join the MU. It's, it's really a good service. You know, fantastic. The other thing was it's environment. How much does the environment sort of dictate the sound of a band? Because I remember hearing Iggy Pop talking about being in Detroit and hearing the sound of the car industry in the background, sort of thumping away. And then with Black Sabbath as well, most of the members seem to work in the car industry or industry of some description. So how did that affect them? I've I've always been a bit I've always been a bit sort of um, undecided about that, if I'm honest. Um, being from Birmingham, well, that would be you know what people would use that as a classic reference point. But I, I got to be honest with you, I think what happened in Birmingham with Black Sabbath, with you know with reggae, you know uh, Steel Pulse and and, yeah. and, and, and and like Napalm, could have happened anywhere. Right. You know, I really don't think. Whilst I worked in the car industry myself, from a personal point of view. It didn't shape, it didn't give me any added frustration, you know, that I didn't already have in life, you know. It didn't sort of, it didn't give me my, it didn't sort of put put a more nastier edge on the music that I then went on to do, I don't believe. And so, so sometimes I think, I, I understand why people say it, but I think sometimes it's used to kind of give the scene a little bit of branding. You know, <laughs> unnecessarily and yes. overly romanticise it. You know, uh, um, and I, 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 like I say, I get it from an aesthetics point of view, but I don't think it's based in reality. Sometimes, you know, and that's that might be a little bit of a controversial point of view because whenever I have been to some of the stuff in Birmingham, which was great, you know, they had a they had a they had like um they had like an exhibition going on for many years in Birmingham, it was called the Home of Metal, which yeah. again was a bit of a narrow descriptive, but it worked, for, you know, for the exhibition. And I, I sat on a couple of panels where they were talking about this, and, 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 and my thing was always, no, it's not, you know, this could have happened anywhere. I mean, great, fantastic that it's happened in Birmingham. I mean, you know, I lived in Birmingham from the 70s. It was, it was tough sometimes, you know, it was rough, you know, living in a, a, a city that was under attack from Thatcher, for one thing, you know, being a very pro-Labour city and therefore was 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 deprived of certain benefits, you know, from the state because that's what Thatcher did. She went after Labour areas. And, and there you go. And um, yes, that unfortunately is the end of the interview because I've run out of time. But that was uh, Barney from Napalm Death. So a big thank you for giving me the time for that interview. And uh, like I said, that was uh, much appreciated. And that is the end of the show. I've been David Eastall. This has been the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can via Twitter or Facebook. Just go to AC8. Just go to at C86 Show. This has been Future Radio 107.8 FM. And um, as always, I'll be bringing you another award-worthy playlist next week. But I thought we should uh, round off the show with another song and uh, from Napalm Death. This is Suffer the Children.